0: You're listening to a sermon podcast from Sovereign Grace Church in Bradford, Ontario. For more info, visit sovgracechurch.ca.
1: Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Thus ends this reading of God's holy word.
0: Thank you, Janine, for reading that passage so wonderfully for us. So the passage that was just read was full of personal, unspeakable suffering. Now why talk more about suffering. Haven't we had quite enough already? In this past year, we've seen or experienced isolation, fatigue, financial insecurity, sickness, and even the death of loved ones. And this speaks to our broken world, the effects of sin, and the desperate need for our help and our restoration. We could all use some good news And our passage today that was just read gives us this good news. We will see the surprising connection between suffering and salvation. We will see how God lovingly ordained the suffering and death of a chosen one to bring life to many. And before we get into our passage, would you join me in prayer? Father, I pray that you would show us your glory in the face of your Son. Holy Spirit, point us to Christ. Show us Christ, high and lifted up for our sake. We pray um, that what is said will bring you much glory. Um, It will bring salvation to the lost and it will bring joy to your people. I pray that I would decrease, that Christ may increase. pray all this in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen. So in our passage today, we're going to see three things. We're going to see that Jesus became one of us, Jesus was rejected by us, and Jesus was punished for us. We'll start with the first thing Jesus became one of us. I invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Isaiah 52. We'll start at verse 13. So, Isaiah 52, verse 13. So right away here, we see God drawing attention to his chosen deliverer. He says, behold, look, pay attention. If this servant is really who he's made out to be, we ought to fix all our attention on him. God says, my servant shall act wisely. This chosen servant will accomplish the purpose he was called to do. He will do it by the best means possible. And because of this, he will be high. He will be lifted up. He will be exalted. Now these terms are normally reserved for God himself. Early in the, earlier in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. Already we see here the close association of the servant with God But before God's chosen servant receives the highest acclamation he receives the lowest degradation. If we look at verse 14 we see that he is he's unimpressive. His appearance is shameful and weak. He looked like just he looked just like any ordinary man. And because of this people are are shocked, they're astonished. We see that in verse 15, that the kings of the nations, the most exalted people on earth, even they are startled. Even they are left speechless. Who ever saw someone conquer nations through personal suffering? Or heard of the ordinary being given global honor? And what's more, who would believe this message as we see in verse 1? Who would believe that this figure is God's chosen servant? This is the strong arm of the Lord? This is is him? This is God's instrument of deliverance? How could a mere man be the arm of the Lord? But you see, Jesus Christ is not merely a man. He is the God-man. Jesus, the Son of God, has always been high and lifted up and exalted. He was in the beginning with God, as John tells us in his gospel. He came down to this world he created and was born as a man, fully God and yet fully man. Jesus knew what it was like to be human. He became one of us, dwelt among us. He was named Jesus because he came to save his people from their sins. And these sinful people, they could never conceive that a lowly carpenter's son would be the savior that they had waited for. And their response, as we see in our next two verses, they rejected God's servant. That's what we see in our next couple verses. So look with me at verse 2 in chapter 53. We see here a a further description of the servant's weakness. What caused disbelief in those who saw the servant? Verse 2, he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. Young plants are vulnerable and weak. They can be unearthed easily or they can be snipped off in seconds with a pair of of garden shears. And roots in dry ground, they they are no better. Without water, plants will not flourish. The servant on the surface, he doesn't doesn't look like he can take care of himself, let alone save others. As we saw already, the servant is also not visibly impressive. And we see this again in the second half of verse 2. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. No one would notice the servant in the crowd. No one today gives a glance at a white sedan sitting outside in the parking lot. It's the the yellow Ferrari or the bright green Lamborghini that gets all of the stares. The human eye saw nothing of dignity in God's servant. And because of this, people treated him with contempt. Look with me at verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The servant, he knew pain. He had experienced sickness, the effects of sin. Many of us can find sickness in an Sickness in others an awkward situation to be in. You know, we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do. We can feel guilty for being healthy in their presence. We want to alleviate their pain, but are unable to, and we are helpless to do it. And so we we avoid these situations. We we shy away from these type of people, and that's what happens here in the rest of verse three. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. There it is again. He was despised. The idea behind the word esteem comes from accounting, a, a determination of, of value. When people looked at the servant and added up his value in their minds, the result was a zero. Zero. He had no worth in their eyes. Instead of a dominating deliverer, they saw a man riddled with weakness. Instead of a leader bursting on the scene or taking control of the room, they see someone struggling for life on the ground. He doesn't look like the strong tree planted by streams of water like we see in Psalm 1. He he is full of issues. He's one of the losers. So what can he do? Why associate with him? And so they paid him no attention. This goes to show the fallenness of humanity when encountering Jesus. To see the servant, the son of God, and find no beauty at all reveals the deficiency in human emotions. To despise and reject God's necessary provision uncovers a faulty will in the mind of man. And to estimate Jesus' value to be nothing displays the corruptness of the human mind. Now I wonder, does this describe you today? Have you seen Jesus as just an an upright person with good teaching? Maybe, Maybe he has an answer to some of the social problems of our world or perhaps to you, he's just another person in the pages of history that you don't pay attention to. And if this is the case right now, I'm so glad that God has brought you here. He is speaking to you today about his son through his word. Seeing Jesus as less than anything God has revealed him to be in scripture speaks to humanity's depravity, But God does not want to leave mankind in their fallen state. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, he has been working to bring about a complete restoration of humanity. He wants to save. And he is able to save. And this is what the suffering servant accomplishes in our last three verses. He became one of us. He was rejected by us and he was punished for us. Look with me at verse 4. The servant was was indeed characterized by sorrow and grief. But we find out in verse 4 that they were not his own. This is what it says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah speaks on behalf of the people, and they realize their wrong judgment of the situation. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. In, in Near Eastern culture, suffering was seen as a result of one's own personal wrongdoing. So they assumed that the servant had done wrong. He was merely receiving divine punishment from a just God. But the people are taken by surprise. What they had contempt for in the servant was in reality their own condition. The servant was not struck down because he was weak, but because they were weak. They realized that he was suffering, bearing the sickness that they should have suffered. And what is in view here is not that he became a fellow sufferer with the people, which is true, but the focus is that he suffered in the place of the people as their substitute. I want you to notice that the heightening of the suffering as we get to verse 5. In in verse 3, we saw the servant rejected and despised as a social outcast. And in verse 4, he was physically wounded by the hand of God. And now the climax of the affliction comes in verse 5 as he is pierced and crushed. Pierced for our transgression, our rebellion against God's law. Crushed, broken for our iniquities, the unending outflow of sin from our corrupt human nature. Only an innocent person could receive a deserved punishment for another, or else someone else would have to pay for his crime. Now this crime must be serious for someone to be crushed and pierced. A just God would require that the punishment fit the crime. And this punishment that the servant received, he secured peace between us and God, peace that was broken when man sinned. Wounds, they usually cause damage, but his wounds caused our healing to the core. Now, who needs this healing? Who is an enemy of God, a fountain of sin, and a rebel? Everyone. Look at verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. No one is exempt. It says all, it says each one. Everyone has done what is right in their own eyes, strayed from the commandments of God, from the source of life. But see what the Lord deliberately does. The Lord has lain on him the iniquity of us all. The sheep, they were not even aware of their danger. They only thought about their next mouthful of grass. And their aimless wandering and their disobedience would would lead to death, life apart from the shepherd. But the Lord places his servants in harm's way for them. The servant takes the full force of death in the place of his sheep. And this is what Jesus did on the cross. He had lived a perfect, blameless life in our place. His innocent hands and feet were pierced on the cross instead of our sin stained hands. Every sin of every sinner, a separate wound, a lash on the man of sorrows. A scarlet robe of blood covering his battered body. The king of kings wearing a crown of thorns. The spring of living water crying out, I thirst deserted by his followers, made in his own image, forsaken by his own father. He received all the suffering, and we receive all the blessing by faith. He was declared guilty for us, so we could be declared righteous before a holy God. His body was crushed for us so that our broken personhood could be restored. He was alienated from his father for us so that we could have peace with God. We went astray, and yet God afflicted him for our rebellion. Jesus, the suffering servant, has definitively dealt with every aspect of Of our need. In my place, condemned, he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah! What a savior! If you are not yet a Christian today, how will you respond to God's servant? Don't be like those in the passage who dismissed him. Don't turn a blind eye to how you have gone astray and are heading towards eternal death and destruction. Stop relying on your own moral code to cover up the uncomfortable feeling of falling short of God's perfection. Realize that you, you are the one who needs help and healing, and you can have it now. You don't need to fight with others to book an appointment two weeks in advance. The righteousness of Christ is available to you today. Soul-calming peace between you and God is freely offered to you complete healing from your checkered past, the the restoring of your whole person to who you were created to be. Look, look to Jesus and live. Life in Jesus is is yours if you would, but receive it with the open hands of faith. And I pray as we prayed for you in in the pre-service prayer, we pray that God would grant you faith to trust in Christ for your salvation and for your joy. And for my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what a wonderful God we serve. How can it be that he made us his own? So let us trust him. Trust the triune God who who authored, who accomplished, and who applied salvation into our hearts. Is he not worthy of trust in every aspect of our lives? Let's forsake our our self-absorbed pursuits to make ourselves worthy and place our worth firmly in what Christ has done. Trust, trust that the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord makes the loss of all things of no importance. Our lives are tied up with his. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And let us stop condemning ourselves for our past sins. Trust, trust in the amazing truth that Jesus has paid it all. Let's pray. Oh Father, amazing love, how can it be that you, my God, would die for me? We we glory in our Redeemer, your your Son. We thank you for his blood that makes us as white as snow. We thank you for new life by your Spirit. How undeserving are we to be called your sons and your daughters. And we pray that you would continue to stretch out your mighty arm and save those who do not yet know you. We pray that that you would have mercy on them as you've had mercy on us. We pray all this in the name of King Jesus. Amen.